Dear fellow redeemed, what is the comfort of Pentecost? What is the comfort of Pentecost? It's one of those questions that, that you might get from somebody if they hear that you attended church and today you celebrated Pentecost and, um, and they say, okay, what's that? Our church doesn't observe many festivals aside from maybe Christmas and Easter. What is the comfort of Pentecost? You might even be a little bit more antagonistic. Okay, so what do you tell me? What are you telling me? What is really the comfort of Pentecost? Or if they even go a step further. You're one of those Christians, and, and I went to church a few times, but I didn't, really, I didn't really get any comfort there. And frankly, I don't see the need or the purpose. So really, what is the comfort of Pentecost? And that is the question that that Peter answers for us in Acts chapter 2 when he talks about the comfort of Pentecost. Because the question comes up time and again. When Peter stands up, he says, um, listen closely, this is what God says will happen in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And right there, the comfort of Pentecost A comfort that we have and a comfort that we share. A comfort that is grounded, yes, in the fulfilled promises of Jesus. Almost like amen and we go on with our day, right? But there's more to it than that. Because the comfort of Pentecost isn't simply for the day of Pentecost. And it's not simply um, a quick answer to, to a friend or a quick rebuttal to the ardent atheist. The comfort of Pentecost is, is deeper and longer lasting. The comfort of Pentecost is for you and for me. Exactly what Peter says here. And the comfort of Pentecost is that Jesus has fulfilled his promise. The only other alternative would be that Jesus didn't. And if Jesus didn't do what he said he would do, then Jesus would make out himself to be a liar. So Jesus said and did that Jesus said that he would send the spirit and he did send the spirit. And there is the comfort of Pentecost, but the comfort of Pentecost is more than that. Because it's this reminder that everything has been done. That even if even if somebody were to say, "Well, I don't get it, Pastor Hagen, why would you celebrate Pentecost?" What is the comfort of Pentecost? Or even if you were to have a conversation with somebody and they would just be shaking their heads and saying, I don't get it. To be able to say, dear friend, the comfort comfort of Pentecost is that everything has been done. That if you've got a guilty heart that says that God is not smiling upon you, or if you're thinking to yourself that, that God is smiling upon you, but that, that understanding is only grounded in how your emotions feel or what your logical brain tells you or the fact that maybe you're not as bad as the guy next door, there's no comfort there. The comfort of Pentecost is the certainty that Jesus did what he said and kept his promises. And so when God gathered all these people of Israel or all these people together at Jerusalem, 
when he gathered them together for one of the three festivals of the year. He has Peter stand up and speak about this comfort of Pentecost. Because this comfort means that everything will have changed, and everything has changed. That their comfort wasn't simply in the fact that Jesus had walked and talked with them and done marvelous things for them. Their comfort wasn't simply that Jesus had sat on the hillside and taught them and been with them. And their comfort wasn't simply in the recollection of historical events. The comfort was also fulfilled as Jesus sent his spirit to comfort his people. Do we see the contrast? Or is it possible that we are familiar enough with the Christian faith and familiar enough with Christians in our lives that we miss the blessings, that we overlook the blessings because they are so close and familiar to us? And we could, we could highlight those blessings by seeing the contrast, that if somebody doesn't have the comfort of Pentecost in their hearts and lives, then yeah, they're still stuck on that treadmill with no certainty and still wondering, when will enough be enough? If somebody does not have the comfort of Pentecost in their hearts and lives, then they'll still be wondering, what is God doing in this world? And how can I have peace in this world? If somebody is lacking in this comfort of Pentecost, then, I mean, frankly, that's probably each of us at one time or another, where the worries and cares of this world start to, start to crowd out any time with our Lord and any thoughts of his word. As Jesus almost gets crowded out of our lives and the other worries start to, start to be so big that it's a weight that you have to pick up every single day. And you think to yourself, Where's the comfort of Pentecost when I need it? Because I don't know. I don't know how, fill in the blank, I don't know how this is going to turn out for my good. I don't know how I can, how I can go from day to day with a, with a smile on my face, and I don't know how and exactly what God wants to do in my life, and I don't know how God wants to bring this to be a blessing for me, and the comfort of Pentecost seems so far away. Maybe that's not every day. And thanks be to God, maybe it's only an occasional event in your own life, if that is the case. But the question becomes more pertinent. What is the comfort of Pentecost? Peter tells us. And it begins all the way back in verse 2, verses 2, 3, and 4. When these Christians were gathered together, probably the same group of, of about 120 that we hear in Acts chapter 1, probably the same group of about 120 who had watched Jesus ascend into heaven, when these Christians are all gathered together in one place, and they hear this sound like the rushing of a violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they see these tongues of fire kind of separate and, and sit above each of their heads. And they start talking in different languages that they had never studied. And that's a feat. I don't know if you've ever studied a, a language, but um, whether it was a language such as, you know, 
the dead languages like Latin, um, or maybe a living language like Spanish, or even the language that we call music. But it takes quite a while before you become proficient in a language. And they start talking in these different languages, just almost out of nowhere. But that's not the comfort of Pentecost. The comfort of Pentecost isn't in these external signs. Yes, Jesus provides his proof that he had sent the Spirit, but the comfort of Pentecost is the deeper truth that they had heard the word of Jesus, and Jesus kept that word and kept his promise by sending the Spirit. And so when Peter stands up to talk and he says, Dear friends, this is exactly what God said would happen in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And the disciples, that group of 120, is scattered throughout the crowd providing translation for whatever language God had gifted them with. When that group of 120 is scattered throughout the crowd, they start, they start translating exactly what Peter had said. And maybe he's just going a sentence or two at a time. And the comfort of Pentecost is that each of those people, no matter their background, no matter their language, each of those people, as the sermon goes on next week, each of those people got to hear that Jesus Christ had been crucified and raised from the dead. And as they're standing around and staring around and looking around, the words of the prophet Joel start echoing and resonating perhaps a little bit more because Peter could have chosen any number of different passages. But he had said in verse 19, you know, verses 17 and 18, he got the Spirit poured out on all flesh. All these disciples are speaking in different languages. Verse 19, I will show wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a rising cloud of smoke. The way that I read it, most likely, talking about the events of 51, 52 days previously, that the sun had turned to darkness for three hours while Jesus was on the cross. The particular moon um, during, that, during that festival of Passover that year, probably what we would call a blood-red moon if you're looking at the year 33, and the earthquake and the dead people coming out of their graves at the death of Jesus. The reason that Peter chooses to preach on the, the prophet Joel is he's saying, friends, wake up. Everything has been done. Everything has been fulfilled. Jesus kept his promises. Even the promise and the prophecy of Joel was filled right there that very day. That these disciples, young sons and daughters, young men and old men, Servants, both young and old, declaring the wonders of God in the tongues of the different people who are there. The comfort of Pentecost that we have isn't in the signs and the sounds. The comfort of Pentecost is in Jesus doing exactly what he said he would do. That he would send the Holy Spirit. That the Father would send the Spirit in his name. And that his work of being with his people always would continue to be carried out. That even though he had ascended and withdrawn his visible presence, at the same time, he would continue to be with his people for all time. Guiding and guarding and shepherding his church. The comfort of Pentecost, if you, if you think about it, is the promise of Jesus fulfilled in his word. Is that, yes, Jesus is still with his church today. And that, yes, the wonders of God declared in the language that we are using even today was a language that didn't exist <laughs> before Shakespeare, really. 
It's a language that only developed a thousand years after Pentecost. But Jesus continues to fulfill his promise, exactly as he said. So that you can say with, with confidence, you know, I've got the comfort of Pentecost, and the comfort of Pentecost is that my, my Savior, who raised himself from the dead, is still with his people today. He still comes to meet his people today. He still builds his church today. He still promises to me the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation as he gives me himself, his body, and his blood in, with, and under that bread and that wine. You see, we see the signs and the wonders of Pentecost, but that's not the comfort. The comfort is that we have a Savior who has kept his promises and who has continued to be with his people even today. We have a Savior who is trustworthy at all times and in all circumstances, and yes, he wants to continue building his church. You can think of it this way. That first reading from Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel sees this, this valley that is just littered with bones. And, and it's a very vivid imagery in the way he describes the bones being put together. But there was no life there. Even, there, even though it looked like strength. Even though they were on their feet and they were a mighty army, strong and powerful, there was no life there until Ezekiel spoke to the wind and the Spirit gave life to those bodies. That's the comfort that you and I have. That the vitality of the church of God doesn't depend on, on our actions and our external organizational skill that the strength and the vitality of the word of God depends on the promise of Jesus fulfilled again as he sends his spirit and as he hides his spirit and as he hides his gifts in a way that, that is approachable for us. That we can sit here in his presence and we can rejoice in the truths that we hear. That he makes himself present not with, not with tongues of fire in different languages, but he makes himself present in a way that you can touch and taste and feel. He makes himself present in that promise of the forgiveness of sins because the comfort of Pentecost is that Jesus continues to keep his promises. So what does that look like? That Jesus continues to keep his promises. What does that look like? I know I've used this a number of times before, but it's worth repeating, I suppose. What does it look like? It, maybe it's um, rejoicing in the comfort of Pentecost with that inside back cover of your bulletin. Taking a few moments on your own or with somebody you love to look at the readings from this last week and to hopefully discuss a little bit more. What can we do to share the comfort of our Savior with others? What does it look like? Maybe it's like we have next Sunday with Pastor Stibbs coming here for the 11 o'clock service and I'll be over there for the 1015 service that we rejoice in the comfort of Pentecost by rejoicing with our fellow believers and by looking ahead to say how can, how can we do more to bring the comfort of Pentecost to a world that, that only knows a fake and false comfort. The comfort of of maybe their emotion or their delusional brains and minds that are deluded by sin. A world that only knows the comfort 
of, of do. And if I just do this and I do that, then I will have maybe done enough one day. But by contrast, we've got a comfort that goes beyond our actions. We have a comfort that is grounded in the promises of Jesus that he still continues to keep. We have a comfort that our God still comes to us and meets us here at this place and with these people. We have a comfort that, yes, our Lord still sends his spirit to create and strengthen faith. He still sends his spirit to create faith in the hearts of babies at holy baptism and to, and to communicate the forgiveness of sins through holy communion. The comfort of Pentecost isn't found in the wind, in the fire, in the languages. It's found in the promises of Jesus that he still keeps today. Amen.